0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. قال فما خطبكم أيها المرسلون؟ قالوا إننا أرسلنا إلى قوم مجرمين لنرسل عليهم حجارة من طين. مَسَوْمَةٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُسْرِفِينَ فَأَخْرَجْنَا مَنْ كَانَ فِيهَا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَمَا وَجَدْنَا فِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَتَرَكْنَا فِيهَا آيَةً لِّلَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ الْعَذَابَ الْأَلِيمَ Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala al-mab'uuthi rahmatan lil'alameen Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa salama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd Alhamdulillah we start the 27th juz which is a continuation of Suratul Dhariyat which is the 51st surah of the Qur'an the 51st surah is Suratul Dhariyat and half of it is in the 27th juz of the Qur'an after having spoken about the Ibrahim alayhi salam, the angels coming to him, and then going on to the first verse here, which is verse 31 and 32, etc., that then is a continuation of Ibrahim alayhi salam, seeing of the angels, they're going to now Lut to deal with his people. So that discussion comes first, and basically uh, Allah subhanahu wa taala speaking about their punishment, all of that is discussed first, after that there's small snippets small um mentions of a number of other prophets like for example there is Fir'aun uh, is mentioned and his problem with Musa a.s. then there's the Qaum of Ad, Qaum of Thamud, Qaum of Nuh a.s. and it just speaks briefly about all of them and what exactly happened to each of them that is discussed and they weren't uh, the, and it mentions that they were unable to save themselves and they were transgressors and thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses a few more things about the heavens and the earth. And there's a beautiful verse here which is وَمِن كُلِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَا زَوْجَيْنِ لَعَلَّكُمْ Which is verse 49. Again saying that we've created everything in pairs and that doesn't just refer to just human beings and animals but pretty much everything else which I discussed before. And thereafter the next verse is telling to believers فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Hasten, run to Allah, hasten to Allah, run to Allah. It just, not, it just seems so nice and so beautiful, so welcoming actually. When you read that, that it just shows that, you know, just come to me, just go to Allah. So the Prophet wasallam saying, go to Allah, Inni لَكُم minhu نَذِيرٌ مُّبِينٌ I am just a clear warner to you. Thereafter that, um, it, there's a few discussions about them accusing him of being either insane or a magician. And so on and so forth all of that the prophet ﷺ is then being consoled and then there's another very important verse here um that you know sometimes when you give advice to people and you think that it's not worth it so this is a very prominent very significant verse in that regard which is verse 55 and remind you know give reminders give reminders because reminders benefit the believers. So at the end of the day, they may not take it the first time, maybe not even the second time or the third time, but inshallah the fourth time, they'll take it. Just do it the right way, that's all. And then Allah mentions something very interesting that you give reminder, right Reminders help the believers. It's beneficial for them. And then Allah says in the next verse, liyabudun." a verse that you must have heard so many times, "We did not create the jinn or the insan." except to worship us that is one of their primary purposes that means everything else could be sacrificed for our worship but Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, out of his grace and compassion and love for us has not made it that you have to worship him 24 hours in a very particular way there are just a few obligations throughout the day and those are within the human ability because Allah promises in the Quran that he will not make you responsible for what you do not have ability And again, if you can't stand and pray, you sit and pray. So, yes, people can be busy, but then they've chosen that kind of lifestyle to be busy because if you are busy to such a degree that you're actually helpless to pray, right? Where sometimes you are involved in a life-death situation and you could not pray, then yes, maybe missing the prayer then would be forgiven. If you're in a battle and the... Prayer was, forget, uh, pr- prayer was missed as it happened with the Prophet if you overslept after having done your best to wake up then yes you would be forget, for- forgiven for that so Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta-A'la has all these beautiful outlets for all of these things but we must do our best and Allah makes it very clear we, inna, uh, we don't want anybody to feed us inna Allah, Allah is the one who sustains He's the one who sustains everybody Abundant sustainer with with very powerful with with huge power and then the the, the surah then ends So let us move on to surah to tur surah to tur is the next surah and This surah is also a makki surah with 49 verses and it has uh, two sections it's been split up into it's not a very large surah though it has 49 verses they're relatively slow so those first six they're all oaths Allah is swearing by various uh, by various different things and because the first word in there is watur, that's why it's uh, the, the surah has been named after that uh, after that word um, right at the beginning, there's several things that are been uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala swears an oath with here, and the main reason he swears all of those oaths with some very prominent ideas, prominent phenomena, is so that he can say Inna that y- y- the the punishment of your Lord is certain to occur. Now in Arabic that, that's a very, very prominent way of saying it. That's a very powerful message for those who are in and I'll explain why. Right? Um the the effect that Watturi wa kitabim masturi fi rakim ma shurit ilma muri wasakafil marfur. Well bahril masjur in adabarabbi calawakya مَا لَهُ مِن دَافِعْ يَوْمَ تَمُورُ السَّمَاءُ مَوْرًا وَتَسِيرُ الْجِبَالُ سَيْرًا فَوَيْلٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ لِلْمُكَذِّبِينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي خَوْضٍ يَلْعَبُونَ If you understand in Arabic, that is extremely powerful, even for non-Muslims, non-believers. So for example, there was Jubayr ibn Mut'im, رضي الله عنه, at that time he was not a Muslim, and he had come to Medina Munawwara to discuss, you know, those captives that had been taken, th- those who'd been taken captives in the Battle of Badr. He came for that discussion. And when he came, the Prophet ﷺ was in Salatul Maghrib, right? He was in Salatul Maghrib and he was reciting Surah Tour Tur in Sal- Salatul Maghrib, right? So when he got, you know, the, the beginning is all oaths, Wattur Tur? By the mount, the mount of Tur, right? The, the, by the mount, wa kitabin Mastur. And the inscribed uh, records Manshur and the inhabited house was Saqfil marfu and the, raised, uh, the, the the raised uh, roof or ceiling Bahril and the, mashur and the ocean your lord 's punishment is certain to occur right and there 's no way to repel it there's no repel, there's no way to repel it and then it discusses what 's going to happen to the skies and so on and how the uh, how the the mountains are just going to move, right? They're going to run. As soon as he heard that, he says that it's like as though my heart was split apart, right? I was just completely overtaken. And then basically out of the fright of that, it just hit him straight away. He said, I'm a Muslim. He embraced Islam. Thereafter, when, when the Prophet ﷺ carried on and recited verses 35 and 36, Am Shayin أَمْ خَلَقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بَلْ لَا All of these, these are questions. So were they created from nothing? Or are they the creators? Right? Did they create the heavens and the earth? No, they just don't have conviction. Do they have the treasures of your Lord? Or are they just basically making things up? And, and so on and so forth. right? That, that's basically all of that is a discussion there. So when he heard all of those questions, he basically said that i just lost my senses at that time it's like wow that is so i mean he was just right for the faith and these were very very powerful w- words similarly umar Allahu anhu mentions that one day he's going around in medina munawwarah as he used to do and uh, as he's going around in the nighttime he suddenly hears that there's somebody reciting from inside he's reciting surah at-tur all right and uh, when he, again, when he started the first, you know, because people who understand this properly and all of these huge phenomena are, are spoken about, you know, that creates a major impact in your mind. And then, as soon as, the, uh, as, soon as that person read the seventh verse, that your Lord's punishment is surely going to occur, Omar got off his donkey that he was riding and he sat down, leaning on the wall. And then, after that, he went home and after that he didn't want to come out of his house for like a month, it says. When people went, they just didn't understand what his problem was. So this is a very, very impactful surah for those whose hearts are open and who can understand it. Anyway, to move on now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions several different things in here. Uh, mainly, there's a huge discussion about uh, a graphic vivid imagery of Jannah for the muttaqeen إِنَّ fi Jannah wa Naim. you know you'll have to read that slowly to enjoy it so I'm not going to be able to read that to you because we've got a lot to cover Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses in the the Huruleen, the the young servants uh, beautiful uh, fruits extremely uh, satisfying fruits the, the meat is discussed and the drinks and all the rest of it is discussed in here and uh, there's a there's a discourse that's discussed in here. If you look at it from verse 25, Wa they, they will start having a discussion. These people sitting in paradise, and they'll say that you know what? Before we used to be scared in our families. You know, maybe they were being persecuted. May, maybe there was some difficulty. So, but Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has, mashallah Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given us all of these. Bounties, you know, we're so happy. You can't believe it. You know, we're so happy and Allah has protected us from this severe punishment Right before we used to call on to him. We used to call on to Allah in Rahim. So again in this surah now Allah says "Fadakir," Remind remind to the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam You are not a soothsayer, and now you're in neither. Are you insane? Do they say that you're a Sha'ir that you're a poet, right? Um, so, maybe their dreams are telling them. Are their dreams telling them to say these things? So, all of that is then discussed about their criticism of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Allah subhanahu wa taala responding to all of that. Allah subhanahu wa taala then mentions a few evidences about Allah's divine uh, nature, His oneness, and so on. All of that is discussed, and thereafter, um, He, Allah subhanahu wa taala. C- uh, condemns them for their discussion about saying that the angels were the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thereafter at the end the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is told to do sabr wasbir li hukmi be patient and persevere over the command of your Lord fa innaka bi ayyunina, you are in our sight right you are in our sight wasabih bi hamdi so anybody who's in difficulty who's giving da'wah who's trying you should give da'wah even if you're in a difficult situation right that's what our job is wasabbih bihamdi and glorify with the praise of your lord hina taqum when you stand and also at night so glorify him uh, also after the end of the you know after the basically stars disappear as well by that we end this surah and we move on to Surah to najm we've got several short short surahs so it's getting quite intense right now uh, not entirely a roller coaster ride but uh, we do have to move on I will leave you to enjoy, right? The I will just highlight the main main themes and point out the main um, uh, the main issues in here. Next surah is surah to Najm. Believe me, surah to Najm on its own will take over an hour to describe in detail because there are some uh, in some really interesting, profound, and kind of complex ideas that are discussed, where some of these verses could actually be interpreted as two different things. And uh, I, I can just allude to them. Now this surah starts off; it's a maki surah as well, with sixty-two verses, and uh, it's not that that long. Just again, short, short. وما وما and it continues. This surah is very lyrical. Again, it's got a certain style. It ends with hawa, uh, uh, all the alif alif maqsurah it starts with that so it can be re- re- recited in three different ways according to different qiraat One najmi idha hawa and one najmi idha hawa so one najmi idha hawa ma dalla sahibukum wa ma but don't do this at home you know you'll have to learn the qiraat for it's a beautiful surah right and pretty much the whole surah ends in that right ends in those kind of endings which produces this amazing moving rhythm that just carries the message along. It's quite amazing, you know, if you can understand the meaning. And you know, sometimes if you want, take um, uh, A.J. Arbery's translation, right? A.J., I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but A.J. Arbery's translation is an old He's an orientist from the 1950s from Cambridge. According to my professor, who was his student, uh, Professor Abdurrahman Doi, he believed that he may have been a closeted Muslim. Allah knows best. But his Quran translation is quite amazing, right? No translation is like free of fault entirely. But what he's tried to do in his introduction is beautiful. He's actually tried to match the rhythm of the Quran, the cadence, the rhapsody, you know, the the, 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 the lyrical quality of it. He's tried to do that in English. So that's why it's very useful, uh, it, it, it's actually very attractive for Huffars who know the Arabic while they're reading it. Otherwise for others they may find it a bit awkward because I mean he's done it in a very stylistic way. But it's actually beautiful, unfortunately we don't have the time to repeat all of that here. But I've, I've told you where you can find it, inshallah. I think it's available online as well, uh, you, to read as well, from the last time I checked. So, Makki Surah, and the main issues that are discussed in here is it starts off with one najm the stars. Allah swears an oath by the stars. Whenever it starts with a wow, wa, it generally is an oath, because that wow is for an oath. And then the oath is for the fact that your companion, meaning Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is not deviated. Right? He's not on the wrong track and he does not speak of his own desires. It is all wahi and revelation that is sent down to him. Alright? And it's the one who's got huge strength and omnipotence that teaches him. Um, so now after that it jumps to um, the main discussion you could say here The next part from Shadidul um, From verse 5 onwards to Then he became very close And he was close as that of a bow Right? Or two bows And then Allah's... Uh, it, uh, Inspired to his servant what he inspired, and the heart could never, you know, could not be telling the truth of, sorry, could never be telling a lie of what it saw. And are you doubting him for what he saw? And then he saw him again at Sidratul Muntaha, Indaha Jannatul Ma'wa, where the Jannatul Ma'wa is. And when that sidra, the loat tree, was overcome, there was a show that was put on, an amazing demonstration. And the Prophet ﷺ says in this hadith of Muslim uh, that it was such a demonstration, it's farash, right? these flying things that no human word can articulate. I think he had a four or five dimension experience down there, just what you can only have in paradise, you can't have that in the world, all right? probably an eight dimension or whatever, however mentioned. That's why he can't even describe it. But anyway, I, I can't go into this. I can't go into this, you know, I have to resist. Um, you can insha'Allah read the tafsir for yourself. So the, this, all that discussion is about the Mi'raj, about the ascension, about the Mi'raj. These are some of the profound experiences he had there. And again here for these verses, there are two opinions. Is it talking about Jibreel or is it talking about Allah, his meeting with Allah or about Jibreel or both? So again, I, that, that would have to be interp- interpreted, but um, it carries on. And then after that, the discussion moves on to the Mushrikeen and uh, how they used to believe in the Laat and the Uzza and all of these other um, idols, these stones that they had, and it condemns their idea for all of this. Then after that, the discussion is about the Day of Judgment. Uh, good actions, bad actions, reward for good actions and uh, uh, the, the punishment for bad actions the muttaqin are discussed and there's some again some nice discussions there and then there's also some advice to the Prophet sallallahu also one very prominent verse in there you should keep in mind is 28 where it says Right? when you have to talk about these theology issues you need to talk with knowledge you can't have speculation and conjecture about that that's why it says they don't have any solid knowledge they are just conjecturing right they're just speculating and speculation does not enrich in comparison to the truth it doesn't provide any enrichment it doesn't provide any satisfaction all right so so just uh, ignore them and avoid them don't worry about it and uh, these people they don't want the dunya that's darika min al-'ilm. is their kind of horizon of knowledge. They don't want to go beyond that. Allahu akbar. While he's talking about the disbelievers, I mean, it could relate to some of us, who from a young age, the Islam that they know, that's all. They don't want to go beyond. They don't want to learn anything new, right? It's like my, my mind is. Uh, I spoke to somebody the other day. I said, "You should take this course." He said, "No, we're we're become like literally saying that we're dull now, and that's wrong." you can still learn until your last moments. Something, okay, you're not saying go and learn logic or something, like Aristotelian logic or something. Go and learn some, something else. Learn the Quran, learn hadith and so on. Learn the tafsir. Anyway, thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the be- good believers uh, in verse 32, الَّذِينَ يَشْتَنِبُونَ Those who avoid the major sins and the obscenities. Illa Sometimes they may get involved in some minor. Inna رَبَّكَ But your Lord is... Expansive in his forgiveness. He is more knowledgeable about you. He is the most knowledgeable. And when he first spread you on the earth, and even when you were actually just embryos in your, your mother's stomach, he knew everything about you from then. Don't self-purify yourself. Don't say I'm I'm pure, I'm not sinful. He knows who is truly righteous. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses several things that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does mean, he mentions in here uh, firstly he mentions that nobody's going to carry anybody else's burden and that you'll see that in verse 38 and 39 for everybody will be what they have done for themselves right and everything they've done will be soon seen and then they will be given the full, uh, full, full reward or full recompense for it Allah is the one, if you look at verse 44, Allah is the one who causes you to laugh and causes you to cry. He's the one who gives death, He's the one who gives life, He's the one who creates pairs of everything, male and female, from a nutfa, when that semen, uh, when that fluid is basically, uh, it, it, it is, it basically goes forth. And for Him is also, he has, he has the ability to resurrect you, right? And He is the one who enriches. And he is the one who satisfies, and all of this now is mentioned. And he is the one who then discuss, uh, sorry, destroyed the Thamud and Aad and Qaumanuh and, and all of that. All of that is discussion. And then it's quite. So then Allah says at the end, "You're astonished and taken aback and incredulous about." This uh, you know this this news or this information that we give you and you keep laughing walatabcoon and you do not you do not cry so Allah tells the believers uh, that you should prostrate to Allah and you should you should believe in Him. I mean while it is talk it starts off with the star. I'm going to discuss star in another surah, okay? Because there uh, in Surah Al-Waqi'a, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala takes another. oath with this and I'll, I'll discuss it there so now we move on to our next surah surah al-qamar allahu akbar surah al-qamar is a makki surah again don't worry we're coming going to come to some madinan surahs but Maki surah 55 verses in this one again short short and this one has a totally different style to najm he had a different lyrical quality this one is more sa'atu wa shaq qamar Wa in your سِحْرٌ mustamir, وَكَذَّبُوا أَهْوَاءَهُمْ وَكُلُّ أَمْرٍ مستقر. then مُزْدَجَرْ نُذُرْ نُكُرْ مُنْتَشِرْ عَسِرْ fantasir, munhamir, قُدِرْ dusir, دسر, Dusur, دسر, كُفِرْ مُدَّكِرْ, مدكر نذر. I mean imagine it. How can you compose something so beautiful like this with all similar endings which they call in Arabic they call this Fawasil? So, you know rhyme endings are different these in the quran whenever it ends with a similar style right that is like rhyming they they've got a special word for that for the quranic genre of writing the the quran itself is called fawasil separators almost all right so remember that remember that so anyway the point in here is that again this specific style of writing is perfect and most appropriate to carry the particular message that surat provides qamar provides is called uh, Qamar, because the Qamar is the moon. Previous one was the star, and that, that's because it starts off with a bang. The day of judgment is close, the hour is close. One shakkal Qamar, and the moon has been split. That is actually referring to that that is referring to that special miracle when they said, Can you cause the moon to split? So the looked at the moon and it was split. It was separated. This was what they saw. Some believed, but others still did not believe. They thought it was some kind of vision that was created in the eyes only. So that's what Allah says, look, even that has happened, but the problem is that they don't listen. So verse tells that even if they see every ayah, even if they see a sign, even the greatest sign, they ignore it. And they say that this is just continuous magic, continuous magic. And they refuse and they deny and so on. And all of that stuff is mentioned. So... There's a lot of uh, Bashara and good t- glad tidings that have been mentioned in this surah and there's also a lot of warnings and, uh, th- that have been basically produced for the disbelievers in here. And that's why you have uh, a number of the other issues that we'll mention here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues uh, to discuss, starts off with a discussion of the disbelievers and so on, okay avoid them. And they will understand what happens when the time comes before them. The people of Nuh like if you look at verse nine, they starts talking about Nuh a.s. and what have, what happened to them. Right? We just let the the, the streams of the world burst forth. Alright? And it's quite powerful the way it's written. And then so it's gonna tell us about several different Nations talks about Nuh, then it talks about Ad, then it talks about Thamud, then it talks about Qawmulut, right? And then it talks about Al Fir'aun and some others. And after many of them, the end question that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks is this We left them as a sign, we left them as a lesson and a sign. Is there anybody to take heed to take a lesson? فَكَيْفَ كَانَ عَذَابِي How was my punishment and my warnings? My whatever I sent as a warning, how were they? وَلَقَدْ Now this is off-repeated, these three, right? And we have made the Qur'an easy for remembering. فَهَلْ me Is there anybody to have the reminder? So these three verses are said over and over again. That these are our signs, how were our signs? And um, we left them as signs, actually. And the Qur'an we've made easy. So the point of this is for you to take a lesson from. Now, what does it mean? Because here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Quran muddakir," Says that at least three times. No, four times. Says it four times, right? Uh, you can look for them. He says it four times. The last one, I think, is in verse 40. And so what does he mean by the Qur'an being easy? Well, several ways, right? The Qur'an is easy in terms of reading it's easy to learn a lot of people learn how to read the quran very easily to memorize it to learn, uh, to take benefit from it you just read one or two pages and you will learn something you know you just give yourself time open your heart and and you you will learn something from it inshallah all right that's why we've noticed that the quran is so easy to read and so it's not like weird as some complicated poetries are they're not tongue twisters yes there are some complicated words in there here and there, but it's so easy that whether it, it's an unlettered individual, a person who's never learned how to read and write, he can learn how to Quran. So many people like that, they don't know how to write their mother tongue, but they know how to read the Quran. All right? they, uh, they are children who don't even know how to speak properly, but they know the Quran by heart, sometimes, mashallah, They don't know how to read and write any other language, but they will know how to read and uh, understand Arabic, and they will have committed the whole Quran by the age of five and six uh, to their heart. So that's why Allah has made all of this very easy. There's no other book like it in that sense. And another another thing is uh, another way that it's easy is that anybody with a clear, pure mind, right, who reads the Quran, they're going to start crying. You know, when you got time and you're not distracted and you want to just read the Quran, just try read Qaf or Quran al Majid or any surah for that matter, and just open your heart and just reflect over your life, and you, you will you will tear. Right? Another thing is when you read the Quran, you get mashallah, this fervor and this desire to do good deeds. That's how it's saying that the Quran is very effective for people to be reminded in all these different ways. Now, it being easy does not mean that any Tom, Dick and Harry, and there are some traditions like this around, where some people they literally give somebody, they teach a few different things for about two or three months, they treat, teach a group of sisters, Or brothers for that matter, right? They they teach them a bit of aspects about tafsir here and there. And then actually they say, go ahead and now do tafsir. And these poor people, I mean, if it's just about relating some of the very easy, clear verses, right, where there's no doubt, they're not fiqhi discussions, they're not profound intellectual uh, theological discussions, they're just stories and that, I can understand that anybody can repeat that, right? Because the Quran is very clear about them. But all of the, the fiqhi verses... Right, the, the verses about the rulings and so on, and about other issues of trying to legislate things and extrapolate things and infer things, that is obviously a grade higher. Right? That's not easy for everybody except the one who has the capability of ijtihad. So that's why I remember a friend of mine told me that there was a female scholar who came to the area and his auntie who had, like, knew nothing before, she'd done like a, a, few, a one or two or three month course with, with her. And then after that, basically, she started teaching tafsir and saying all sorts of things. And, she, and my, my friend, he's not very learned, he knows a bit, he, sit, you know, he's, he was connected to scholars. He's like she's saying some really weird things. So you have to be careful about that, that you can't basically infer things from the Qur'an. There you have to, because there are, we've got numerous hadiths and so on from Abu Bakr and Umar and all of that. And from the Prophet ﷺ that you do not say about the Qur'an that way you have no knowledge of. But yes, whatever is clear like these stories and uh, lessons like that, then, then they're very clear. You need a certain mindset to be able to really benefit from the Quran like that. That's why the Quran is easy, but not in the way that people want to sometimes make it to be, because uh, they could be deviated like that. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala finishes this off uh, at the end by saying, "Wa kullu Wa I mean, th- these are verses from which uh, I mean you can understand the predestination. Allah says in verse 52 and 53, "Everything that they do is zubur." it's basically in, in a record, in scriptures, right? Meaning, he's got the master database. That could be the lawful Mahfud he's referring to, or it could be our books, uh, the, the ones that angels write. وَكُلُّ wa kabirin mustatar. And every small and every minor detail or major detail is written. Mustatar is written by the angels. You can say, إِنَّ fi jannati wa To give something to the believer saying that the righteous ones will be in jannat, in gardens and in lakes that's a beautiful phrase right this is a true place this is a place of truth right which is um uh, they, they will be by their lord who's absolutely omnipotent and has capability over everything so that is the end of that surah and uh, Just a few things, I said that, you know, these last few verses, they are very important verses from an aqeedah perspective because many of the ulama have uh, understood from there the issues of predestination and the decree. Again, we don't have the time to get into that, uh, but as I told you before in one of the previous ajza, that I have a lecture called Don't Be Depressed, You Don't Know Your Future on zamzamacademy.com. Please listen to that because that... Uh, A lot of people have actually found it satisfying to get some understanding of the whole issue of decree. A lot of people are confused about it. A lot of people are confused about it. Another thing that we learn from here is that every small and large thing is written. That means do not consider even a small wrong to be insignificant. Allah protect us and forgive us. right? Because that could be to our detriment. And likewise, do not think of even a small good deed to be insignificant that we just ignore it. Everything will be written and will be accounted for that. Okay, now we move on to the bride of the Qur'an, the adorned bride of the Qur'an. right? The Ursul Qur'an, as the surah has been called. And that is Suratul rahman And mashallah, I don't know. A lot of people, I ask them, what's the first surah you want to learn? After you know, the last 10, 15 surahs, we want to learn Surah Al-Rahman. Surah Al-Rahman has this amazing lyrical quality. There's no doubt about it. The, the amazing tune of it, the sound of it. right? That is mentioned so many times that people are just drawn to it. I mean, there's a natural inclination and a natural draw and attraction to the Quran. And uh, to it, I mean, it is the Surah Al-Rahman. Right? It is the chapter of the most merciful one. Masha'Allah. So it starts off with Ar-Rahman. I mean Allah uses there's hardly you know, aside from Hamim and all of that, right, there's hardly very few surahs that start in the same way. They all have this different way. This stands in the third Ar-Rahman, the most merciful one. Allah al Qur'an, he taught the Quran. He taught the Quran. Then خلق Insan, Then he created the human being. Not then he created. He created the human beings. Discussed after teaching the Quran, because when that human being comes in the world, they need the Quran. Otherwise, they're nothing. That is the greatest bounty of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He's given us the Quran. That is gonna be preserved until the last day, so that we can gain our guidance from it. allamahul mahul bayan. Then he taught the human being speech, articulation, bayan, clear, clear speech. Ash-Shamsu al-Qamaru bi Husman mentions a number of things like the sun and the moon. Again, I could take an hour. By the way, we already, Alhamdulillah, have a recording of a few parts in detail of six parts, I think, of Surah al-Rahman, right? Which is on ZamzamAcademy.com. It's on our Sound Cloud as well for audio, and it's on uh, the YouTube channel as well. You can find it on the website. You can find. I think it's on the website. Right, uh, so go, go ahead and listen to that in detail if you want to. I'm gonna to have to rush through it because uh, we do have other surahs uh, to deal with here, and we want to give um, we want to stick to our time because timing is very important. So, the ni'mah kubra, the great one of the greatest bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the fact that He's given us the Quran. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with the fact that He is the merciful one, He is the Rahman. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. وَالسَّمَاء رَفَعَهَا al-mizan. He elevated the heavens and then he placed the scale. Now that, just that you could describe in so many ways. Placing the scale, what does that mean? Scale of justice, scale and balance of beauty in the world. That everything that is in a balance is beautiful and Allah doesn't want the world's balance to be upset. That's why dhulm is the opposite of that. Oppression is when you put something out of its place. So if I trouble somebody that I'm not supposed to be troubling, then that is dhulm, that's oppression. If I take away something from someone that belongs to them and doesn't belong to me, that means I'm placing something in the wrong place. That's why it's a dhulm, it's an oppression. So mizan and balance is extremely important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about. See the Quran, Allah mentions that right in the beginning because the Quran, number one, it's going to stay forever. And number two, it's also a clarification of all the books and scriptures that, became, that came before it. Allahu Akbar. I think the reason why the surah begins with the rahman is to show that he is God. He could have said Allah. He could have said something else. But he said, he starts off with Ar-Rahman that all of these bounties. Because remember, I would say that another name for Surah al rahman is bounties. Because Allah is enumerating all of his gifts and all of his ni'mah. So... He's starting with Ar-Rahman to show that he is the kindest, most merciful and beneficent one from whom all of these bounties are coming from. And then you'll see at the end, there's a, there's a discussion that inshaAllah I will tie it up with the beginning. So I think that's why Ar-Rahman is used at the beginning, that from him comes all of this greatness because it's coming from his compassion and his mercy and his love and all of his, uh, all of his characteristics of, uh, of Jalal. It's all emanating from his... Rahmaniyya, right you know from from his merciful nature and to show that the quran is more important it brings it before creating the human being the discussion of the creation then after allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned several other things as you can see the sun the moon the stars uh, and and the trees that they all prostrate to allah in their own ways they don't necessarily bow down like that, although some trees we see doing that. They're all prostrating. There's a long hadith in Bukhari Muslim about even the sun prostrating every day, seeking permission to rise again. I've got a detailed discussion about this in some of my atheism lectures that you can check up as well if you want to. And then Allah is saying, Make sure that you're very just in terms of the weights and measures and everything else that you do. And uh, do, do, do not cheat in all of that. Then after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the human being, how he's created and so on. Rabbul wa Rabbul Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cre- uh, is the Lord of both the East and the West, both sides of it. All of that discussion is there. Allahu Akbar. And uh, you can read this for yourself. A lot of it is very very clear cut. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then discusses the, uh, he discusses the Day of Judgment. Sanafru <coughs> verse 31. 32, um, subhanallah, we're soon going to get completely free to just deal with you. Oh, two uh, weighty, weighty beings. And that refers to the human and the jinn because they're the ones who've been created for worship. They're the only ones who have obligations as such. They're the only ones who can do wrong. Alright, who have the choice, who have given free will. So he says, we're going to deal with you. We're going to be fully there just to deal with you. And then at that time, basically, if you think you can get out of the realms and the boundaries of this universe, you can try to, you will never get there. Right? And then he mentions some other punishments that will be discussed there. And then um, after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then moves on. I mean, he says, this is Jahannam. All of that is Jahannam. That was the discussion in verse 43. And thereafter... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts the discussion, so from 46 till the end of the surah, literally half the surah nearly, all of that is about paradise, all of that is about paradise, and in there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about people who fear they're going to be given two gardens, and these are going to have all sorts of fruits in there, they're going to have lakes in there, streams in there, uh, you know, pairs of different fruits they're they're going to be reclining on all of this silken broca- brocade and all of this thereafter they're going to have their wives in there they're going to have their mistresses in there all of that discussion absolutely pure no human no jinn this is talking about obviously the here besides the worldly wives that people will have that i mentioned earlier and then after that allah subhanahu Taala hal illa ihsan allah is really really happy today when he's in paradise he's saying isn't the isn't the response to uh, doing good being done good that Allah is showing His kindness today because you've done well before may Allah make us of those who've done well I'm just saying this in brief then after that there'll be people with a slightly lesser paradise and that discussion about what kind of gardens and what kind of colour is discussed in there and there'll be again um, streams that uh, discussed. Discuss. there's also fruits there, palms, and the pomegranate is mentioned in this one. and they have all good whatever good they want. And then again, the ain, the the fair maidens are mentioned again. There's quite a bit of a discussion about that. And again, they're reclining on this green uh, you know green brocade this time. That's why the green color, you know, a lot of Muslims like it. And I think that's one of the reasons because you've got this discussion of paradise having green inside there, right? I mean it could have been any other colour. Didn't use blue, for example, right? It said green. And at the end it finishes off with, Blessed is the name of your Lord, the one of majesty and of benevolence. That is Ya Dal Jalali wal ikram is one of the most powerful names you can call into Allah by you're saying oh and a majesty that owns everything controls everything and ikram benevolence who's the givers, greatest giver and benevolent so whenever you want your dua to be accepted include that in there i've got i've got a lecture on that about the six most prominent dhikrs that you can it's on there it's called the six most effective or most prominent dhikrs that you can do and dal jalali wal ikram is one on there now allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says here is that blessed is the name of your lord Many Mufassirin say that this obviously goes back to the beginning of the surah where it starts off with Ar Rahman. That is the name he's talking about. That is why many of the names of Allah, like Rahim, right, and, and uh, Basir, and all of this can be given to other people. Rahim has been, the Prophet ﷺ has been referred to as Rahim, right? Karim, people have that name, that's fine. You don't have to say Abdul Karim unless that's who you're referring to, if you're referring to Allah. Otherwise, somebody can be called a benevolent one. But Rahman and Allah cannot be given to anybody. They're unique names for Allah. Because nobody can have that level of Rahma and mercy and compassion as what is embodied in the word of Rahman, right? For it to be given to anybody else. That's why I'm extremely, extremely, extremely honored to have my name as Rahman. And I only say this just as an encouragement because it's, it's not my doing. So I can't be boasting about it. It's not my doing at all. all right? I wasn't there to name myself. It was my parents who did that. It was my father as far as I know who did that. May Allah bless him for doing that. All right? But I, I love that because it's like when Hamdi asked me, what's, what's your name? Rahman Kabanda, the servant of the most merciful one. I just hope I can have some mercy. I lack mercy. I pray to Allah that He really make me Abdul Rahman, give me that quality because the names of Allah are there. The one thing we learn from them is that we imbue those same characteristics as far as we can to a human level within ourselves. May Allah all grant us that rahmah, right? Some of that rahmah. So, Abdullah and Abdul Rahman are the names that the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned as being very beloved and very, very good. So, by that, that basically is a just a basic coverage of what is included in Surah Al Rahman. But I do want to mention a few other things to you, all right? There are some of the unique aspects of this surah, okay? Some things which are not lost to you. There are 31. As far as I know, somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. There are 31 instances where فَبِي أَيِّ kuma tu Which means, which of the signs of your Lord do you deny? Can you deny? Right? That is, I, I'm sure anybody is going to recognize that. And that's why this surah is actually easy to remember, right? Because um, 31 out of Seventy eight verses You only have to learn the other uh, 30 whatever number And you just have to remember the, the difficulty is remembering what comes after what Okay That's generally sometimes the difficulty So 31 times it's mentioned And there are You can say the surah has been split into four sections Okay Firstly Allah says Which of the na'mah are you going to deny And then he just enumerates them There's other places in the Quran where n- Bounties are mentioned Here Allah especially focused on the fact that these, I'm going to enumerate them for you, okay? I'm going to enumerate them for you that which of the bounties... Now if there was two, three bounties, maybe you can deny them. Five, six, maybe even ten bounties you can deny them. But the amount of bounties Allah has given us is endless. Each bounty has so many bounties in there. Like if you just look at the gift of the eye, there are so many benefits that we derive from the eye that it embodies many bounties in there. And that's just as an example. Now at the beginning where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about several phenomena that we deal with, like the skies, the heavens, the the ships, and so on. There there are eight instances, right? Eight instances where Fabiala i comes. Thereafter that the next section starts off from Sanafruakum which means thirty-one and onwards. That is about Jahannam. Right? So that is about the hellfire and all that. That then has seven instances. So you have eight. Then seven, okay. That is fifteen, so far. And eight plus eight is is sixteen. So we have yes, that will make up that. That's right. Thereafter, the the discussion starts about the two different paradises for the for the elite and for the slightly lower category. And in each one of them, there's eight and eight each of Atukadhiban." So why is it eight, seven, eight, eight? Allah knows best. There could be so many symbolisms in all of this kind of stuff. But I think the main thing that we can say here, one thing that we can say here is that Jahannam has seven doors, just like the natural seven routine and everything has seven doors. When it comes to paradise, both paradises mentions eight times and paradise, Allah has given it eight doors. Maybe just to give an idea that there's more doors easier entry. So likewise, there's seven times that's mentioned and eight times that's mentioned for both instances. So 16 times that's mentioned for paradise, the two types of paradise. So that's a very interesting idea. Um, And I think what some of the ulama have understood from this organization of this or this division like this is that if somebody, mashallah, has the full understanding and belief, they adhere to and succumb to and submit to the first eight instances when it's discussed in terms of all of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all the phenomena that Allah has discussed and they believe it in the correct way. Allah will protect them from all the seven uh, the, the, the seven uh, hellfire issues that are mentioned there and give them inshallah all of the paradise issues. Now, there is one question we need to quickly clarify here. All right. SubhanAllah, Allah help us, Allah help us One issue is that when he's talking about Jahannam How is that a bounty? How is that some kind of favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying That after each one of them seven times That why, which of the favors of your God will you deny? So some people have actually raised that ob- objection And basically there are two simple answers to that Number one, this is talking about absolute justice And justice is a bounty People are struggling for justice right in this world so allah is saying that look you will get whatever you ask for with justice and that is so at the end of the day number two the second is that this is all being told to us before that this isn't like after they gone to hellfire they didn't know anything about it and saying okay now which which of these bounties do you deny and in the hellfire this is being told to us in the in the world when we have still the ability to make amends and make changes and basically uh, secure for ourselves a place inshallah in the the paradise so that is a bounty that he's telling us this beforehand to tell you the horrors of some place that is a that is considered a bounty that's why you you know if there's somebody coming to you and you're going to go somewhere and somebody says look don't go and do a deal with that person because this 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 or if you do go there be careful of this 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 are you going to call that are you going to are you going to thank that person or are you going to call him a hater Obviously, anybody crazy will say that you're a hater, that you're telling us bad things. I'm telling you to warn you so that you can be prepared, you can be saved. So, nobody's gonna, no decent person is gonna consider that to be wrong or foolish. So, that's one of the things. And that, by this, we end the surah. And now we move on to Surah Al Waqi'ah. Surah Al Waqi'ah. Surah Al Waqi'ah. Now, you're gonna have Al Waqi'ah. You're gonna have Al Haqqah. You're gonna have Al qariah Right? All of these surahs are referring to the same thing. It's talking about that inevitable event. So Waqi'a, Waqa'a, Yaqa'u means to occur. Waqi'a means the occurrence. When you say the occurrence, it refers to that special occurrence of... So, لي Now, this surah is slightly, slightly longer. It has uh, 96 verses. Not very long. They're very short as well. Several different themes in here. And again... What's interesting is that the the sound of it, the rhythm of it changes with the themes as well, but we don't have time to deal with it right now. This surah has also got another name. And some of you may know about this because you may be reading this already every night. It's called Suratul Surah Suratul Ghina, surah the surah of enrichness, enrichment, of wealth. And for that, Abdullah ibn Masud, the Allah mentioned in a narration that whoever recites Suratul Waqiah every night he will never have to face poverty he or she will never have to face poverty if you're struggling to make ends meet as some people are around the world please tell them to recite this surah okay 96 verses three sections it's a makki surah again and essentially it's starting off with the discussion of the day of judgment there's no lying about the occurrence of the day of judgment and telling us several things that are going to happen it starts talking about it's very awesome the way it begins right um, the, the, the mountains speaks about the mountains then eventually they're going to be like just just, just basically scattered dust that kind of a thing thereafter that this is the, the biggest message you could say of this surah for the next so many verses it starts off with that discussion of the day of judgment that it's inevitable. It's here. It's when it occurs. This is what's going to happen. And then after that, it says from verse seven, Wa kuntum thalatha, and then you will become three groups. So now on the day of judgment, when things come to the four, there'll be three groups. We will be split into three groups. Alhamdulillah, two of them are good and one is bad only. Right? For ashabul maimana, the people of the right. Ma ashabul maymana, What are the people of the right? even asks that question like do you know what they are then the people of the left do you know what the people of the left are and then the forerunners the ones who are always ahead of the game All right, they, and then it starts off with them so it, disc, it provides them as the, last, uh, option, uh, as the last category and then it discusses them first what they're going to get they are the ones intimate they're the close ones in gardens of, of bounties and, and, and then it discusses what they're going to have and I wish I could read this to you but uh, I don't have the time uh, to read this to you it talks about the Hurul and and they're not going to hear any ruckus in there and so on and so on all the beautiful, uh, beautiful aspects then it starts talking about ashabul yamin, yameen the people of the right they're, the lower, they're not the foreigners but they're still the people of paradise and again all of their discussion is mentioned here and then after that it discusses the Ashab shimal and immediately starts telling you that they're going to be in this really ugly, you know, hellfire and so on. Now, you know, Ashabul Yameen, the people of the right, this gives us an understanding that in Islam, the Prophet ﷺ used to like to start everything from the right side. Many of you may have wondered, and many of you do start things from the right side, why do we do that? To such a degree that I remember some of our teachers even saying that even when you put your glasses on, just for the sake of this, you know, start with the right side. Some people might think that's excessive, but at the end of the day, it's your connection with Allah, right? That the person used to start to do right in anything good and pleasant and uh, praiseworthy is to be from the right side. Yes, when you're entering the toilet, then you, st- and you start with the left foot. When you come out, you start with the right. And it's very symbolic to the people of the right in the hereafter. That inshallah, may Allah make us of the people who will be taken on the right side, not on the left side. So, all of that discussion happens, and thereafter, from uh, 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 that goes on until about verse 56, right? So, the last discussion of the several verses there is about the people of Hellfire, the Ashabu the, Shimal, the lefters, the people of the left hand side. فشارب... We created you. Why don't you believe? Why do you keep denying these things? And then Allah mentions. Three, four different things. He mentions the semen, the sperm, the, the, uh, the fertilization of that. Who created that? How does That's quite amazing. SubhanAllah. Something small is issued from, uh, from the human being and another human being comes from that. It goes into another human being. And, uh, what an amazing system. Allahu Akbar. When you think of it that way, it's, it's, it's not the dirty act that people think of it as. Because that's not what it's supposed to be. This is, this is the same act by which humans are created. Humans are born. It's a system of Allah. And when people see it in a positive light, right? they they, they will get more out of it from a spiritual perspective as well. People think it's just fulfilling my desire. That's it. No, when you actually think of it as a ni'mah of Allah, and some people have actually, uh, uh, there's one tafsir in which it basically says that some people have even gotten closer to Allah just because of their approach to the way this is. And this isn't the time to discuss it. If anybody wants to check that out? Check Sheikh Ibrahim Nias, uh, uh, one of the great uh, scholars of, um, of uh, Senegal, right? His, his tafsir of that. You can, you can see it there. Anyway, that's discussed. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the crops, how that's brought about and how it ends in nothing, um, you know, when, when it all finishes and so on. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the water and He discusses the fire. But essential aspects, crops... Life, uh, uh, the fluid, the crops, fire, and water. It's most important things Allah discusses, all of these things. And then He says, like, Did you create these things? And we've made them all a reminder and a thing to use. فَسَبِّحْ right? bismi So glorify uh, Allah, uh, glorify with the, the, the name of your Lord, Mighty. Right? and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 75 uh, five, which is very interesting says fala uqsimu in nujum the prophet allah, uh, allah is now swearing an oath with the stations of the with, with the different orbits and the different places of the stars allah says wa and now this is very generally he just swears an oath and carries on right here he swears an oath and he says that do you understand how important and significant this oath is wa لَوْ alamuna That this is an oath which if you knew, you would know it to be mighty, majestic, incredible oath. And you know, there's only so much Allah could tell us in the Quran, but He indicates towards everything that is ever going to be described and discussed and researched and found out and discovered about astronomy. So we know a lot more about astronomy today with the new... Telescopes and things and the space voyages than people four hundred four hundred ten hundred years new and a hundred years ago new and The more of it is understood from this that why is Allah Subhanahu Taala swearing by the places of these stars and so on Now this is something that you're gonna have to you know Get an article online about the stars and just read and you'll be mesmerized you, right you, you will have an amazing Understanding of how the stars work basically all right I, 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 you know, stars are made up from from galaxies, right? Galaxies, there's stars in galaxies. Galaxies, part of the Milky Way. There are so many galaxies. There are hundreds of galaxies in the world, each one with hundreds, thousands of stars. Now, one star that we know is the sun that we, you know, today it's very hot in the UK, right? And people are, you know, uh, mashallah, either enjoying it or complaining about it. But that's just one star 93 million miles away that is producing this heat for us imagine all of the other stars right the the huge blue stars the dead stars the living stars all of them the thousands of stars that are in the universe can you imagine the expanse now what's the most beautiful thing that Allah is saying why is he swearing by the stars I think he's swearing by the stars because all of that Nizam is being taken care of right all of that system I mean, we know the planets go in an orbit. The sun goes, uh, sorry, the sun has its own orbit. The sun has its own movement. And the earth moves around the sun along with some of the other planets. Then, on a more macro level, you've got the other stars and the way they're all organized and they're coming and going. All right? Who looks after all of that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why he's swearing this oath that that is mighty. That, I mean, astronomy is mind boggling, right? We know so little about it, but as we learn more and more and more this فَلَا أُقْسِمُ in nujum, verse 75 is going to become even more significant as we go along because you're going to really understand what's going on especially with all these exp- space explorations and things like that thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the reason He swears this of this la Quranun Karim. He swears it because he's saying that this is the noble book في Um In No, this is the noble Qur'an, right? Nobody can touch it except the pure ones, which means that this is, according to Mufassin, this is referring to the Lohal Ha version, where the angels aren't allowed to uh, the angels touch it be, uh, because they're pure, right? But nobody except the pure individuals can touch it. Some people try to use it to say that you're not allowed to touch the Quran in this world without wudu, based on this. I mean, most people are saying that this is not where we get that from. There's a hadith in Muatta Imam Malik and several other places that la yamassuhu illa tahir the Prophet ﷺ said. Only the pure person must touch the Qur'an. That means you have to have wudu or ghusl basically to to, 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 to be able to touch the Qur'an. Otherwise, it's considered to be a disrespect of the Qur'an. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses a few other things about death and so on. And the surah ends with, the, if, with a... The ending of the three categories that were mentioned, the close forerunners and what they're going to get, the people of the right and then the people of hellfire, what they're going to get. All of that is discussion. And then Allah says that then, Allahu haqqul yaqeen. That this is the convincing truth, the absolute certain truth. So do tasbih, glorify with the name of your, uh, with, with, with the great name of your Lord. So Allahumma salli ala Muhammad um, uh, for giving us this and we say subhanallah subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanallahil azim because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do that so when he tells us to do that we should actually we should actually repeat that another thing right another thing about the importance of the stars right and why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be mentioning that here is that the stars are some things when you don't have a moon etc that stars and, and even the moon actually the planets in the daytime you need the sun in the nighttime You know you need the moon and you need the stars to guide somebody and this is what people have used for centuries likewise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's verses in the quran are all like stars and you need that to guide you so i think there's a great resemblance in those things as well that you gain so much marifa gnosis of allah understanding of allah understanding of the world understanding about ourselves Um, paradise and hellfire, punishment and reward all of that is understood through the Quran just like the stars are outside in the open book of Allah we understand that from these verses in this book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and finally the last chapter Allahu Akbar the last chapter is Suratul Hadid Suratul Hadid, the chapter on iron right, because there's a discussion about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending down iron alright, iron is there for people to basically use and and, uh, 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 use in their life Surah al-Hadid, as opposed to the other surahs now, is, is a Madani surah, by the way. So we finally come to a Madani surah, Madin and surah 29 verses, but it's relatively longer than the others in some sense, and four sections in there. And there are primarily three things that are mentioned in here. Okay, I might have to take a few extra minutes today. Uh, I seek forgiveness from you for that. Three main points in there. The first is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is one of the musabbiha, this is one of the Sorry, the, the surahs that start with the tasbih, right? سَبَّحَ lillahi And out of all of them, this is the one that has, goes on for about six verses with just discussing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's tasbih, right? Various different things, and there are some very prominent points. لَهُ Where you meet, Allah talks about everything being owned by him. He's the one who gives life and death. He has ability over everything. He's the first and the last. He's the first before anything was here, and he's going to be here when everything is perished. He's the outer, he's the inner, he knows the everything basically. And he knows everything. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the creation of the heavens and the earth. And then it says that then he became mustawi on his arsh. He became established on his arsh. Now, this is a highly contentious discussion on this. Some people have literally taken this that Allah is sitting on his throne, which is blasphemous. Allah doesn't need to sit anywhere, the throne is created. And the question that arises then that if he had to sit on his throne, where was he before the throne was created? Everybody agrees that the throne is a created being of Allah. All right? That's why the Salaf, the true Salaf, they said, we leave this to Allah. That's why Imam Malik said, when somebody came to ask him about the istiwa of Allah, he said, the istiwa is known. All right? This is where a lot of people manipulate this statement of Imam Malik. The true understanding is, we know that Allah does istiwa. right? That He does this establishment, the istiwa. Whatever that means, we know that because Allah is mentioned in the Quran. So it's known because it's, if he had never mentioned in the Quran, we'd never have known. So that's what it means. What they try to say that it's known meaning, it is a reality. It's not metaphorical. They give, they give an extended interpretation to that. They're basically doing it at that wheel because they're fixing a particular meaning of it. Really, what the true Salaf, Imam Malik, he said, istiwa hu His doing istiwa is known because it's in the Quran. Right? That's how we know it But its cave is not comprehensible غَيْرُ It's not comprehensible It's impossible to understand Exactly how all of this is happening right? And then he started basically asking about it as a bid'ah He shouldn't be even talking about this stuff Because these are matters which we'll witness inshallah in the hereafter We don't have to worry about them today So that's where it is So where is Allah? The best answer is Allah is where he's always been We don't need to give him a place because then we're limiting him. And that's why m- the majority of the ulama have considered that blasphemous. Yes, there's a group who say that, no, he's on the arsh. Just say he's above in the arsh. We say we just leave it to Allah. Yes, he is above in terms of status and so on, no doubt. Otherwise, we read the verse that he is your God in the heavens and he is your God in the earth. If we're going to take that to mean physically, that means that we're going to say Allah is physically in the earth. And that creates all of these blasphemous in- inherence, and uh, embodiment issues that God is part of the universe and all that, like, it's all crazy. Allah is transcendent and above. His true nature only Allah knows. That's all. And we, not, we, we don't need to know His real nature like that. We only know what He's mentioned. And we believe that Allah is mustawin an al-Arsh. But we don't give it a ta'weel by saying it's mustakir al-Arsh or something like that, that he's, that he's sitting on His throne or He's settled on His throne or something like that. Then after that it carries on, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah there are some common themes, okay? So there are two things. One thing I think is this is a fundraising surah. It's just encouraging it's encouraging spending in the path of Allah. Right? Several times. Allah says, Well, first one, verse eight, What's wrong with you? Why don't you worship why don't you believe in Allah and His Messenger when they call you? Then in two verses down, verse 10, Wa'akum Allah Allah tunfiku visabirilla. Why don't you spend in the path of Allah when for Allah is the inheritance of the, everything is going to end up with him why don't you give him something right why don't you give something to Allah that can then be kept for you rather than you die and then everything remains for him anyway then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse in verse 11 says Allah calls it alone who's going to give charity to Allah meaning as alone and any good person when you give them a, give them a loan they give it back to you Allah is the best and Allah then says as well Whoever's going to give a goodly loan to Allah, he will then multiply it for him. And, uh, and for him is a huge reward. Thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the munafiqeen. Allahu Akbar. This is very, very, very emotional, this part. Right? The day you'll see the believers, right? The believing men and women. And their light will be in front of them, guiding them. This surah, I could probably say, it could also be called surah An-Nur. Because there are at least four discussions of light. Mentions in quick succession three of them right in verse 12 and 13 So light is mentioned about the light of the hereafter That's mentioned and that ends at the end with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying That O people who believe Fear Allah Believe in have faith in his messenger And he will give you double of his mercy And he will designate for you again light That you will walk in And He will forgive you. So light in this world, inshallah, light in the hereafter as well. So really ponder this to look at the light that is being discussed and what we can benefit and how we can inshallah gain that light. Because He's saying that the people who will not have light will be the munafiqeen. They will call out to the people of the belief. And they'll say, at least look at us so we can snatch some of your light. But no, a, a veil and a barrier will be placed between them. Inner part of it is mercy, the outer part of it is punishment for the munafiqeen. And then they would call out to them, Weren't we with you? Yes, but, but you basically uh, put yourself into a trial and you were you, you misled by, uh, by all your vain hopes and everything until the matter of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came. So, one of the very prominent verses in here is verse 16, which is oft quoted and it has actually been instrumental in the righteousness and piety and re- reformation of many many individuals I mean says so that this verse is responsible for Abdullah ibn Mubarak's reformation for Fudail ibn Iyad's reformation and so many other people Essentially Allah is saying Hasn't the time come for the people who believe So this is talking about believers right, who've been believers for a le- long time 30, 40, 50 years but they just don't want to improve right and الله, that their hearts become reverent for the rem- in, with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that actually turn to that you know you can see sometimes some people they finally you can see them in the masjid now that means that they've inshaAllah and that uh, truth which has come down to you and they do not become like those people who were given the book before them the Christians and the Jews. For عَلَيْهِمُ alayhim long time passed over them, but their hearts became hard. And believe me, we have so many people. Allah protect us from a hard hearts. Right? Because they think they're stagnant. This is the faith that I've been practicing for 30 years. I can't improve. They don't make, except Jumu'ah in the masjid. They will not make Jumu'ah except, you know, they will not make any other prayer in the masjid until now. Please focus on this verse. Then Allah mentioned something, uh, some of the bounties about. Um, Uh, Mentioned some of the things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about giving of sadaqah again is mentioned uh, that those who give sadaqah, men and women, he mentions both men and women here to encourage both men and women, right? And who give Allah a goodly loan, Allah will imply and uh, multiply for him, and for them is a good reward. Subhanallah. In verse 20, then I'm having to rush this. Allah is talking about the nature of this world that this world, uh, this life of this world, is a plaything, right? It's an adornment. It's a way that you boast with one another, right? And it's for uh, people use it for increase in their wealth and their children. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be like that crop that you see you grow, and mashallah, it becomes really nice and lush and green, and then after it withers and it dies, and it's left with nothing. That is exactly how it's going to be, and the life of this world is illa ul ghurur. It's just a deceptive instrument at the end of the day. Use it rightly, don't use it deceptively for its deception. That's a very promising verse. Rush, vie with one another, try to run ahead in, uh, the, to, to, to the forgiveness of your Lord and the paradise. Allahu Akbar. Whose breadth will be, whose width will be like the width of the heavens and the earth. Prepared for those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. That is a grace of Allah that He only gives to who He wishes. And Allah is the one of great gifts. The next verse is very important as well. This is a verse which helps the next two verses, verse 22 and 23. right? If you listen to my lecture on the Qadr that I uh, talked to you about, you'll, you'll see this in there. Allah is saying that any musibah which reaches you in this earth or in yourself, it's all written from beforehand. From before you even created you, it was all written. That you're going to lose this child, or you're going to lose this job, or you're gonna ha- this is going to happen to you. This is all very easy for Allah. But the main point here. Is Allah telling us why? Why is all of this written? What is the virtue of predestination and taqdir? لَكِيَ لَا تأسو على ما فاتكم so that you do not become despondent and you don't cry over spilt milk. That whatever has missed you, you don't start grieving for that to no end, right? You just say, okay, fine. I've tried my best. I didn't get it. Allah knew about that. That's what Allah wants from me. That's the benefit of it. And whatever you do receive, whatever you do get. You don't start exulting and showing off and attributing it to yourself. You understand that Allah had written that for me. So that is a moderating factor for both the grief aspect and also for the happiness aspect. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like these, these swaggering braggarts. As they say, those who are tight and stingy and they order people to be stingy as well. That's why I said this whole surah is about noor and sadaqah, right? Fundraising. Right? whoever turns away then Allah is uh, independent and praiseworthy anyway, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about sending prophets and so on and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the final verses, verses 28 O people who believe, fear Allah and I translated that already for you that Allah will give you from His light So we need this light of allah that's why there's some huge duas of the prophet about light oh allah make this of me light and this of my eyes light my 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 hearing light my heart light right on my left right on light on my left right on uh, light on my right light in front of me light behind me and so on and so forth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally finishes this off by saying the grace is all in the hand of allah gives it to whomever he wishes and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a huge amount of bounties and grace and by that we complete this we have no time for the recap but inshaAllah you can do that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us through this alhamdulillah we finished this it took a bit extra time seek your uh, seek, uh, apologies for that uh, but there was no way to do it earlier May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy and bless you for it and allow us to complete it. And May Allah accept our 27th night and every Laylatul Qadr uh, worship as well and make this Qur'an a benefit for our hearts.